Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to our new platform. Um, we are the life and Torah of our leaders. Tuesday mornings, 11.30 with Per Se to Bismedrish. And a special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who are joining us for the shir. Today we're going to be talking about Rav Shloyme Eger, the son of the famed Rebbe Kiva Eger whose yard site will be this Shabbos Yud Aleph Teves, his 169th yard site. He was a fascinating, fascinating figure in history, um, as, of course, all our G'day Lamar. Reb Shleim Eger was born in 1785 in Tuf Kuf Memhe in the city of Lisa. Lisa is in the general region of Posen. And his father, Rebbe Kiva Eger, his mother's name was Glikcha, she came from a very wealthy family, and um, when Reb Shlaima was born, his father, Reb Kiveger, was 22 years old, and he was still being supported and living in his father-in-law's household, learning Taira. Reb Kiveger had a small yeshiva in Lisa for a special uh, chosen Bacharim. Um, there was a bigger yeshiva that the Rav had, but he had a small yeshiva, being from the fact that he came from a, his father-in-law and the family was a prominent family in the city, he was also the Gabai on a fund called Mishmeres Talmud Torah that supported um, poor Talmidei Chachamim who wanted to sit and learn. And this is the house that Reb Shloyme Eger grew up in until he was six years old in his grandfather's house, a house of Torah, a house of... Um, Askanos being involved in the community, as we'll see, that's going to play out itself out later in his life. In the year 1791, there was a terrible fire in the city of Lisa that destroyed the main shul, many Bate Medrash, and from the Jewish quarter, only nine out of 500 homes were not destroyed. Nine out of 500 were saved. The other 491 were destroyed, including his father-in-law's home. It was destroyed. And they, most of the inhabitants left the city, including his family. And on Chaf Sivan of Tufkuf Nunalev, 1791, they went to a city called Ravitch. Ravitch is about uh, 40 kilometers south of where they were. Um, they weren't there for very long. His father-in-law at that point, because of the fire, was no longer able to support Ribki Vager. And from there, Ribki Vager went to a city called, in German or Prussian, it was called Markish Friedland. In uh, Polish, it's called Miroslavitz. And it's about uh, 140 kilometers north of Posen. So they had gone... They've been going south and south, in other words, Lisa south of Posen, and this Ravage place is more south, and now they're north of Posen, but they're all in the same general area over there, which today would be called Northwest Poland. Um, Rebbe Kiveger was a Rav in, uh, in this place, in Markish Friedland, for 24 years, until the year Tufkuf Ayin Hay. Um, Rebbe Shleima Eger's mother, Rebbe Kiveger's wife, uh, first wife, Glikcha, was uh, passed away when Reb Shleima was all of 11 years old. So again, at the age of six, they had to leave their town because of the fire, and five years later, his mother passed away. Reb Shleima learned in his father's yeshiva, and he was became known as one of the great Iluyim of uh, the time. 
And then when he was 16 years old, he was taken as a son-in-law for, for, uh, for the daughter of Rabbi Yisrael Hurston, who was a very wealthy fellow, the son of a very well-known wealthy Gvir in Warsaw. His name was Reb Hirsch Seminar. And um, so he became the son-in-law of this Rabbi Yisrael, the grandson of this Reb Hirsch. And uh, he learned over there in Warsaw um, as being supported by his father-in-law. But he started dabbling in, uh, in the business world. His father-in-law was a very successful businessman. His grandfather was a successful businessman. And Reb Shleimer himself also became one of the greatest and most successful businessmen in Warsaw at the time. But at the same time, he was also considered one of the great Lamdanim of the time. He was in both worlds at the same time. He actually used to give shiurim every single day in Warsaw, in his home. And um, now, but because he was a businessman, there were times he had to stop the shear in the middle to go and take care of business. There were meetings from different people, and um, sometimes he would stop for an hour or two. And in a tshuva that he writes to his father, um, in, it's printed in Tshuva's Rebbe Kuv Chavav, um, it's really, he's really writing to another Rav, but the Rav wanted him to show the tshuva to his father. And he writes that, I don't really... Paskin halacha lamaisa, heini tekeyatzmi lahalacha umikol shekain lamaisa. I don't uh, set myself up to paskin halacha and for sure not halacha lamaisa. He writes kani mutrud mikol pina. He says I'm very bothered from all sides. Ad shepazani bedaber vezebo basakim shoinim. He says. Uh, I'm in the middle of speaking, and then I have to be, get involved in another type of business thing. And I'm jumping and skipping. From my learning to my business, business back to my learning. So he was in both worlds at the same time. Now what's very interesting and fascinating is that after he would come back, after an hour or two of not being in the saying the shear. So he would sit down and he would pick, off, pick up exactly where he had left off. He didn't have to start reminding himself where he was. He left off at the end of a sentence. He continued the next sentence he was planning on saying. And he said the reason he was able to do this was when he got married, his father, Ibki Vager, right before he walked down to the chuppah, his father told him like this. He said, you're leaving my house and you're going to the house of Gevirim. He says, you're going to have business affairs. They're going to cause you to stop and have to interrupt your learning. My bracha for you is that you should be able always to return right where you were holding and learning. Belishum yegiyah, without any toil. And without having to look or trying to think where you were holding, Rabbi Kivegar's bracha to him was that even though he's going to have to stop learning to do his business affairs, but he shouldn't have to lose anything because of that, and he could pick up his learning exactly where he had left off, and that was a bracha that his father um, had given him. In Warsaw, he, gave, he, he had uh, five sons, two daughters. His sons became his Talmidim. Now, in the year Tov Kufay in Beis, um, the the Reish HaMishpacha, Reb Hersh, the grandfather-in-law of Reb Shleimah, was Nifter. And he left over a tzava that said to his children, Lema'id ba'asakim, minimize your business dealings, ulaharbeis belimataira, and make sure you in- increase your limataira. And he writes, Kichu musr mimeni, take musr from me. 
He says, because when I put myself into my business more than was necessary, yardu asakai. So then actually I lost money. And the more that I was involved myself in learning, I was more successful. So this was the tzava he left for his family, that yes, we're wealthy people, but at the same time, we have to make sure to know that our success comes from our limara Torah. And again, this is something that Reb Shloyme Eger followed the tzava, this ideal that he had, he followed his entire life. In Tov Kufayintas, which is about seven years later, his father-in-law was nifter. And this is an interesting story. His father-in-law passed away and he left over a tzava, that the first grandson that will be born and carry his name, um, his name was Rabbi Yisrael Herson, to carry his name, that grandson will get 40,000 zehuvim, golden coins, whatever the currency was. Rabbi Shloyma had a son who was born, and they called him Rabbi Yisrael, but unfortunately the child passed away before it was 30 days, 30, before it was 30 days old. So there ended up being an argument between Reb Shloimeh and the rest of his family. Does the son get that money or not? The family argued that he didn't live past 30 days. And we know in halacha, for a child to be called a, a viable child, they have to live at least 30 days. And he said, but at the end of the day, he was born and he had the name and he gets the money. So they went to the Rav of the city. The Rav of Warsaw was the great Chemda Shloimeh. And um, the Chemda Shloimai, they had a Dintaira, and he passed against Reb Shloimeger, and he said, your son does not get the money. Shloimeger was not happy, and he wanted to appeal, and he said, please send the Shiloh to my father, Reb Kiveger. Let's see what he has to say. So the Chemda Shloimai smiled, and he told him a famous story that happened um, with the Rebbe Reb Heschel. Um, the Rebbe Reb Heschel was a young child, and he stole the Afi Kaiman. And when he wanted, his father wanted it back, he said he wants some type of uh, very fancy prize or something, some golden, I'm sorry, some, some silk begadim. So his father said, okay. So he gave him back the afikaiman. And then when the father gave the afikaiman the pieces out to everyone, he didn't give it to the little uh, Reb Herschel. So um, he said, uh, how come you're not giving it to me? So he says, well, listen, I don't want to have to give you such a big prize if you want a piece of Afikaiman, so then you'll have to um, be Michael and, and, uh, you know, and allow me not to uh, give you that expensive prize. So he was very smart, and he said that, um, he says, I was expecting this, and he pulled out a piece of the Afikaiman from his pocket that he was saving. He says, I knew you might try to pull that on me, so I saved a piece for myself. So the Chem de Shleimah looked at Reb Shleim Eger and says, I was afraid or I knew that you would want that. So I already sent the Shiloh to your father, Reb Kiveger, and he pulled out the letter from Reb Kiveger, and, um, and, um, and Reb Kiveger had agreed with the Psak of the Chem de Shleimah that Reb Shleim Eger does not get the, uh, the money. Um, while he was in his father-in-law's house, again, it was a very, like we said, a wealthy household, he was involved in Achnasas Archim in a letter that he wrote to one of his children later on in his life called Hanhagas Toivos. He was telling him good things, a whole list of things that he should do. He writes that I remember that I had in my room, in my father's household, in my father-in-law's household, I guess it was like an office. And anyone who would come, I would have some schnapps and some lekach there in the drawer. So if any Archim would come, I'd be able to give them something to, uh, to eat. Um, he was in Warsaw for 35 years. Um, 
he was in Warsaw for 35 years, and like we said, he was from the biggest um, um, businessman in Warsaw, as, a, as also one of the biggest Lamdanim. At that time, in that Kufa, there were three um, personalities who were the leaders, so to speak, of the Warsaw community. There was the Rav the Chem de Shleimai, Rav Shleimai Zama Lipschitz, the Rav of the city. There was Rav Yitzchak Meir Alter, who later on, many years later, would become the Chidushe Harim, um, the first Ger Rebbe. At that time, he was just a Chidushe uh, a, 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 a Yungaman, so to speak. And he was from the leaders of the community from the Chidushe community. And from the Misnagdim community, that was Rav Shleimai Eger. They all really got along with each other, B'Shalim. Um, but these were the leaders of the community at the time. Um, even though he was a businessman, like we said, he gave shiurim. There are uh, responsa between him and his father, um, him and the Chem de Shleimai, him and Reb Chaim Rappaport from Ostroy, the Mishkanis Yaakov. There are chubas that he wrote to Gedolim, Shiklach Torah that he wrote to Gedolim because he was a great man in Torah as well at the time. In 1831, there was the Polish rebellion against the Russians in Warsaw and uh, they said so the Jews actually supported the rebellion. Um, the Russians uh, ended up winning, and at that time, um, they they really clamped down on the city of Warsaw. They weren't so makbid on how they ran themselves before this, but now that they rebelled, they clamped down, and um, he lost all his money. Reb Schleimager lost all his money um, in this after this rebellion. So now he needs to start looking for a job as a rov. The Chsam Seifer wanted him to become a Rav in Hungary, in Alta Oyvin, which is like, it's also called Buda, like in Budapest. Buda and Pest are two separate areas over there that make up the city called Budapest. So they wanted him to be the Rav there in what's called Buda. And, um, but they didn't want to take a Polish Rav, so they didn't, they, even though the Chsam Seifer um, um, put his name forward, however, and again, the Chsam Seifer was actually his brother-in-law, because the Chsam Seifer married... Um, Rebbe Kivager's daughter, um, like we said in the Chassam Seifer Shir, way back um, after Sukkis. But they didn't want to publish a rov. So they, he, they, he got an offer from Prague, and he got an offer from Frankfurt. Now there's a little uh, historical uh, mistake in many of the um, hi- history books, and that is they write that he had a, um, an offer from Frankfurt the Main, Frankfurt on the Main River, which is the famous Frankfurt that we know, we talked about last week, um, Frankfurt. But really, this, there's another Frankfurt much more north, which is in the region of, of, of Posen. Um, it's on the uh, northeastern border of Germany, um, and that is Frankfurt the Other. That's where the Prima Godim was the Rav. And it's a different Frankfurt, and that's actually the Frankfurt that wanted it to become the Rav. And Rebbe Kivager wanted him to be the Rav there. And Rebbe Kivager says, I want him to be there. I want my son to be Samuchli b'Medina Zu, near me in this Medina, in this country, in this region. That's another, a proof, or one of the proofs. I mean, it's very clear, it's, it's obvious. But that's one of the clear proofs that it's not the other Frankfurt, because that's way, very far away from Posen. Nowhere near it. Frankfurt, the other, is the same, is the same area. Um... Now, this is an interesting thing. They wanted him to become the Rav, but in the Ksav Rabbanus, they said that he has to commit to being the Rav for 10 years. Um, now, in a letter, Rav Shleim Eger told them, and this is going to bring us back to something we talked about last week and, and, and the week before, perhaps, as well. And that is that Rav Kivager says that you're not allowed to make a contract for more than three years. 
And um, this Rabbi Shlem Eger wrote them. He says the Mefurish Halacha. And Rabbi Kivager also said that it shouldn't be for more than three years, says Rabbi Kivager in a letter. Shaloye pickbook mitzad hadin. There shouldn't any problem mitzad hadin. Now, where does this come from? And if you remember last last week, we said that um, that um, we said that the Chavis Yair in Koblenz was a three year um, three year. Uh, contract, and we said that was the minig at the time to give a three-year contract. We spoke about this by the Orch Laner, who also initially had a three-year contract. And the reason is because there's a Ramon Chayshem Mishvat Shin Lamed Gimel Sif Gimel that says there's a concept of Ki Avodai Heim Avodim Lavodim. Klal Yisrael are slaves of Hashem. We're not slaves to anyone else. So therefore, it's brought down that a person should not commit to a job for the amount of what a slave is. Now, evidently, is six years. So it should really be, you shouldn't commit for more than six years. But the Ramah says the minig is to do half of that, not to commit, he writes a malamed or a cipher, shouldn't commit to more than three years. Uh, the Yaris Devash also, when he was Rebbe Reb Yainasan, when the city of Mitz wanted him to be rough, he also said that it can't be for more than three years. And he writes, Mizel HaYulifnim Yisrael, this is the Yaris Devash, he writes, this is the minig in Klai Shanim, not more than three years. Chassam Seifer says that was the minig in most places in Klai Yisrael, three years at a time. Um, even though the Chassam Seifer in a different place, that's in Chai but in Arachayim he says that really al halacha, it's, it's okay if it's up to five years, as long as it's not six. Um, now, the minig in um, Frank Frankfurt, the other, was actually um, a six-year contract, like they wrote to the Primagodim in his contract. However, and, and the next rub as well, and the next rub after that, was always six years. But for some reason, they wanted him to make a ten-year contract. At the end of the day, he didn't become the rub in Frankfurt the other. And in fact, in, um, in Dalit Ir, Tov Kuf of Tzadi Hay, um, he uh, became the rub in a place called Kalish. And um, they wrote over there that... Um, they, they wrote him a letter, we're accepting you as the Rav, Yechi HaMelech Shleimai. And they said, and if you read the letter, it says that it sounds like Rav, that Rav Shleimai really was ready to become the Rav in this Frankfurt to other. However, once the, the Kalish people, or Kalish, I don't know how, exactly how you pronounce it, they wrote in the letter, please tell the Frankfurt people that you've already become the Rav in Kalish, and you should ask them that they should be Meichel you, um, in Biksav, a written Mechila, that you could come to us. So it sounds like since there was already some type of deal between Rib Eger and the city of Frankfurt Dodder that now was being broken, they asked that he, there should be a Shtar Mechila because we're waiting by the minutes, they said. We're waiting by the minutes for you to finally come. Um, now, what's very interesting is that Kalish also, or Kalish also, asked for a 10-year um, contract. And they write over there an interesting thing. They say, and it's not connected the Shulchan Aruch that says you can't do more than three years in the Ramah. They write a Shtikotaira. And they say, because that's talking about a worker, a worker who works for the people, a malamed, a teacher, a cipher, a scribe. They're hired for their work. He says, they write there, that's not what a Rav is. A Rav is not working for the people. A Rav is working for Hashem. It's Melechah Shamayim. Just like it says, Mahu afata A rav is not allowed to take money for teaching Torah. It has to be free. And 
Uh, so you pay for his schar batala because he he's, he's, he could have done something else, but he's not really being hired by the people. He's being hired by Hashem. And he says, Anarav is what the Pasuk means, that Bnei Yisrael are avadim to me Hashem. And you're not hired to Bnei Adasim, to the people of the community. You're hired from Alech Shamayim. So the whole thing doesn't apply. You could be a Rav for 10 years, as many years as you want. The whole problem of being a Rav more than three or six years is because you can't be an Eved to people because we're Eved straight to Hashem. A Rav is working for Hashem, they wrote. And therefore, there's no problem of having a long-term contract. Very interesting. So when he came to the city of Kalish, he made a yeshiva there. And when he came in, 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 uh, in, 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 uh, to the city, um, in Tavkov Tzadihei, so that year was the big machlaikis about the Vilna and Slavita Shas. This was a, a machlaikis that rocked Europe. And there was an original printing house called the Slavita. They were the Shapiro brothers. And they printed a shas, and they had askama from Mukiveger. And we've mentioned numerous times askama in the olden days was like a copyright. So they had a copyright for 10 years from Mukiveger that they have the rights to print a shas. Um, at the end of the 10 years, there were the Rum brothers in Vilna who wanted to print their shas. We have what we call today our shas, is the Vilna shas. And they also got askama from Mukiveger because the 10 year askama of Slavita had expired. And it became a big machlaikis because Slavita said we're planning really to reprint and we put money into it. And a lot of the Rabbanim who had given Askama to the Vilna Shas retracted once Slavita came along and said that we really want to do it. And it was a big machlaikis and it, the teams, so to speak, I hate to use that word, the sides became almost Hasidim against Misnagdim because Vilna was, was non-Hasidim, Slavita were Hasidim, and it sort of became a Hasidish Misnagid um, machlaikis. Now, um, Rebbe Vager, after hearing everything, still did not retract his askama to the Vilna Shas, and uh, he, he stood strong. The Slavita people, they put out a, uh, a rumor that really Rebbe Vager is too old, and he doesn't know what's going on, and the only reason why he's standing strong is because he's being run by his son, Reb Shleima. Reb Shleima was known to be a very big misnaged, even though his son, Reb Leibler became a chesidish, the Rebbe Lubliner. But um, Reb, Reb Shleima was known as a very big misnaged. Um, so much so, there's a famous rumor, others deny it, that Reb Shleima actually sat shiva when his son became a chesidish. Um, whether he did or not, it's, 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 uh, it, nobody really knows, but that he was a big misnaget, that's for sure. Um, so that's what the, the, uh, the Shapiro brothers put out such a rumor. When Rabbi Kivager heard about this, he was very upset, and he said, Rabbi Nishalaylam, I can be Michael on my covet. Covet at Torah of your Torah, you can't be Michael Hashem, and I can't be Michael Bishum Eifen on my son's covet, that they said about this. The, the Shapiro brothers, um, unfortunately, went through a lot of terrible Yisurim, a whole, uh, a whole, uh, um, um, a whole uh, thing against them that they murdered someone and they and they were beaten for it. And eventually, they came to Rabbi Kivager and they asked the Mechila and they said, "We know that we're being punished from Hashem because of you, and um, but we're asking you that you should be concerned about Kavod Taira. I mean, we printed the Shas, we're Tamid Chachamim." Our Kavarat Torahs, we're being suffering because of it. And Rabbi Kiva Eger answered them that Kavarat Torah in this generation is me. And that's it. So you don't, your Kavarat Torah doesn't apply. You were Pagan, me and my son's Kavarat Torah, and therefore that's not a Taina. 
Um, Reb Shleimer was in Kalish for five years. Again, interestingly, um, they wanted a 10-year contract. I guess it didn't. He, he, I don't have any documentation of why it didn't work out. But hey, he was only there for five years until the year Tough Reish. Um, in Tough Reish. Now, in Tough Kuf Tzadiches, two years earlier, Reb Kiveger had been nifter in Posen. And when Reb Kiveger was nifter, they wanted Reb Shleimer to become the Rav and fill his father's place in Posen. But the Maskilim didn't want it. And this, the truth is, when Rabbi Kiveger himself became Rav in Posen, the Maskilim didn't want him to become the Rav, and he actually had to accept on himself three conditions before he became the Rav. Number one, he's not allowed to have more than six Bacharim in his yeshiva from outside of Posen that are being supported by the community. Um, he's not allowed to give any of them smicha as a chaver or marenu. And he's not allowed to darshan musr um, in Bein Adam Lamakam, only in Bein Adam Lechaveray. Kiveger suffered terribly from the Maskilim. So, for two years, from Rabbi Kiveger Eger's death in Tavkov Tzadiches to Tav Reish, um, the Machlaikis of who should be the Rav, Rabbi Shleima, the Maskilim wanted a modern Rav, and this went on until finally Yudal of Tishrei of Tav Reish, he became the Rav of Posen. Now, the truth is, Rabbi Shleima didn't want to go there. Kalish was a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a city of Yureim. It was, the Mahaskala hadn't made any problems there. It was a Fruma city. He had no trouble there. Posen was full of Haskala and reform, as we'll see. And really, Reb Shleimer wasn't interested in the whole, in the whole Parsha. However, they convinced him that it's a, a covet to be able to fill his father's place. His father was the Rav there for more than 20 years. And that's finally, that's what prevailed upon him to become the Rav in Posen. When he became the Rav in Posen, so he reinstated his father's yeshiva. And um, now, he, again, he was always involved in Askanus. Um, in Tafresh Beis, he wrote a letter to the Oiseit Stok of Chesed in every city throughout Posen's region and even further in Poland. And he says that since his father was Nifter, they, um, the, the collections of Stoker for Ania Eretz Yisrael have dwindled, and now it's time that he wants to show them how chosh of this mitzvah is, and he did this already in Kalish, and he already did this in Warsaw as well. He was involved in the mitzvah of sending money to Eretz Yisrael, and they had pushkas, and he says you have to send in the money to me every year and every cheshvan twice a year to send to Eretz Yisrael. He did an unbelievable thing. In 1844, he went to the King Frederick William IV, and he had an idea. He said, Jews aren't doing good in the business world. Very hard to make a, a money as peddlers. It's time to teach them how to become farmers. Like, make a whole farming community for the Jews, and they'll be able to have Parnassah. And this was a major, major undertaking. He had to get permission from the king. He had to get permission from the local government. They had to put up some money. They had to find, uh, they had to find land. They had to teach the Jews. They had to convince the Jews. This was a, 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 a massive undertaking that went on and on in negotiations for years. And in, but in 1848, there was the great uprising of 1848 where the Poles um, rose up against the Prussians, King Frederick, the Prussians, the Germans. And uh, because of that, so the whole thing fell apart and never came to fruition. Now, he had um, three big fights in Posen. One was against missionaries, and the days, these, are, these are carryover from Rabbi Kivager's days. The missionaries came and they actually made a school called uh, for Jewish children. And they had, they called it the Vad Lafotas Hamuna Hanoitris Bein Yehudim. This is the uh, committee that, and the school that will spread Christianity to the Jewish, to the Jews. 
Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, they they had a, they 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 were a bit successful with people. The Chevra Kadisha had a question: Do they have to bury anyone who sends their kids to this school or involved in it as Jews? And uh, they asked Reb Shleimager, and on Yom Kippur they made an announcement in all the shuls that the Chevra Kadisha, the Chevra Kadisha, does not have to be metapel with them. However, the Misharsim, meaning the, the regular uh, grave diggers, the Jewish grave diggers, they are the ones who have to bury them. Because they have not lost their Jewish name entirely. However, they have to be buried a distance of eight cubits, eight amois from any other Jewish kever. So that was something that he dealt with the missionaries. In the days of Rabbi Kivega, like we said, was the Haskalah. And his main fight with the Haskalah, Rabbi Kivega had this, and Rabbi Shleim Eger, was um, was in the schools. That's where they they uh, the education. That scholar tried to make inroads, and they wanted to make their own schools. And they did make their own schools, and um, they wanted to close down the chadarim, but those remained open. Um, they wanted to make it that limude kaidish is very secondary and not a lot of time. And Rabbi Kivega went to the government and actually proved that the Haredim have a right to this to their education. And Rabbi Shalai Meger also had this same issue between the Chadarim and the schools. Um, now, in the Chadarim, they actually learned Limudei Chal. They did learn secular studies, but it was a shorter time than Limudei Kaidish. The Bate Sefer, the, uh, the regular schools, the day schools as we would call it, the Askala schools, they wanted to make it totally like very little Limudei Kaidish. Um, but finally, they agreed, you know, they, they had Limudei Kaidish. However, they also only wanted to teach Teresh Abiksav, no Gemara. There was no Gemara, they didn't believe in Teresh Abiksav. So, Reb Shleimer tried to get two things. He tried to make separate schools for boys and girls. And then he tried to make it that in the boys' school, at least they should learn Gemara. Um, and he was on like a committee, uh, education committee with the Maskilim. And he tried to do this. And because he was the rav of the city, but unfortunately, um, it didn't work out. But he, but the chadarim, there still were chadarim for people who wanted to have the um, the mesayra dikachinuch for their children. There was a cheder for them. But again, the haskala had made inroads, and people did send to the uh, to the haskala schools. So Reb Shlaim Eger wanted to make sure at least they should get you know, the Ikrim from over there to try to get learning um, some Gemara. It's interesting, and we mentioned before his Hanhagas Taivais that he wrote to one of his children. He, he actually writes over there that learning how to write and learning Lashon, learning the language, meaning secular studies, and anything you need for business, he writes, for Maso Matan, is an obligation to teach your child under the obligation of teaching your child in Umnus. So that's why even in the Chadarim, it seems there was some secular studies, because he felt that it was included in Chayev Lulam De Umnus, your Chayev to teach your child a trade, and to be able to do business, you have to know how to talk, and you have to know how to write, and you have to know whatever else you have to know, and um, that's included in that, and that's perhaps why there was, they agreed in the Chadarim for secular studies, but this was on, in the Hanhagas that he wrote to his own son, um, some Hanhagas Taivas, as he calls them. Then there was this fight against the Reform. He went in an all-out battle against the Reform. And we mentioned him, if you remember, in the Shir on the Aruch Lener, but just very uh, in, in passing. Um, he went to full-out war against the Aruch Lener, against the Reform. Um, now, 
what he wanted to do was totally cut them off from Klai Yisrael and say they don't exist. If you remember, the Aruch Lener did not do it like that. The Marsha we mentioned in that year wrote a letter very upset why the German Rabbanim are not doing this. And um, Reb Shalom Eger was from the same Shita as the Marsha. I don't see that he had a Shaykhaz with the Marsha specifically, but it was in the same thinking, and he wanted to go all-out war against the Reform. And he actually told the Aruch Lener that he wants this to happen. And the Aruch Lener invited him to come to Altona, to his city, to talk to him about it. And that's what we mentioned in, um, in the Shir on the Aruch Lener. At the end, the Aruch Lener did not agree with the approach, um, he was upset with Schleimager, and he actually wanted to travel to London to talk to Reb Adler. This is not the original Reb Adler. This is the Reb Adler, who is a Talmud of the Aruch Lener, who became the chief rabbi of the uh, English Commonwealth. And uh, so, so Reb Schleimager actually had plans to travel to England to talk to him. However, in the middle, he heard um, that Reb Adler had come to Hanover. So he was in the neighborhood. So he traveled there to meet him. And he also did not agree with him. And he was very upset, Reb that the Rabbanim aren't going with him. And um, he, he wrote that he, he should have really teamed up with the Hungarian Rabbanim. They would have probably stood with him. But um, it just, his, his, his Mahalach wasn't accepted. He was a broken man because of these wars and especially with the reform and especially because he did not have the backing of the Rabbanim. He was tired from this. He decided it's time to leave Posen and go back to Kalish and um, he doesn't have to deal with any of this anymore. He went to Kalish and um, they accepted him as the Rav. So he went back home to bring his family. However, while he was in Posen, he got sick uh, suddenly and he was Nifter on Yud Aleph Teves, Tafresh Yud Beis at the age of 67. What were his Svarim? He wrote what's called the Gilyan Marsha on Shas. I have it in the back of the Gemara. And it's also on Shulchan Aruch Yaridea. Now he wrote on all of Shulchan Aruch. The only ones we have are on the side of Shulchan Aruch Yaridea called Gilyan Marsha. These are the, the, uh, the um, notes of Rabbi Shleima Eger on Shas and on Shulchan Aruch. And in, in, in those notes, you see his Bikiyas. Unbelievable Bikiyas. Not only just in the Shulchan Aruch and the Nice Kalim of the Shulchan Aruch, but he had a Bikiyas in Rishonim and Achroinim, Halacha, Agada, Hashkafa, some, some very not common Svarim. He had an unbelievable Bikiyas in Svarim. And don't forget, he was a businessman for 35 years. And yet, he had an unbelievable Bikiyas in Svarim. Um, he is known as from the Yirei Haira, those who are afraid to paskin. Rabbi Kiveger was from the Yerei Haira. He writes that in the Hakdama, in the preface to his Chuvas, he writes he's not happy that the halacha part of his Chuvas are called Psakim, are called a Psak, a ruling. He says, I'm from those who fear giving a Psak, and I always relied on whoever I am writing to that they'll go through it and they'll agree with it, but I'm not the one giving a Psak. And the same thing was with Rav Shleimager in a tshuva, and his tshuvas were printed um, were printed uh, um, later on. Um, I think by Mechayin uh, Yerushalayim, I think printed his tshuvas, and um, or maybe Meisad Rav Cook, one of those big printing houses, printed his tshuvas. And he writes over there that um, someone wanted him to write a tshuva, just the halacha, without any sources. And he says, I can't do that. He says, truthfully, I wouldn't even paskin at all. He says, but I have no choice because if I don't do it, there's no one else really around that's able to paskin. And in another place, he writes that someone who is a meira a paisik, has to have three conditions. 
He has to have daita tzlula. He has to have clear, clear. Uh, his mind has to be clear and calm. He has to be shemea b'mesinos. He has to be able to listen with uh, with uh, uh, patiently. And he also has to be able to look in svarim kadmainim. Look in the earlier svarim what they say. And he writes, Vanoichi and I, I don't even have one of these. I'm so busy, my tirdas are so much that I can't even do any of these. So really, I shouldn't be paskening. Now the truth is, even though he was so busy, um, he still, especially when he was a rav, he didn't, uh, you know, not answer people shyless. There's numerous chuvas from the years, Tafresh Dalid to Tafresh Vav, when his wife was very, very sick, and she was in bed. And he writes that I, that, um, Rayoini nifzar, my 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 thoughts are just like scattered. He said because my wife is is so sick. He says and therefore I have to answer you without opening any svarim. So he didn't say he couldn't answer, but uh, he did answer, even though. And he writes in another place, ain't daiti tzlula. Again, my 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 mind is not calm because Hashem has put me for five weeks. He says, um, here next to my wife's bed. And he says, and I'm here on the bottom floor, and my svarim are on the top floor, and I can't get to them. So he couldn't push or go upstairs. He didn't leave his wife's bed. His wife eventually, again, she was sick for two years, but his wife eventually had a rufu, and she was nifter after him. He was nifter in, um, he was nifter, as we just said, in Tafresh Yudbeis in 1852. She was nifter 12 years later, uh, 10 years later, in Tafresh Chafbeis in 1862. Um, so you see that uh, even though he was very tarud, but he still answered Shilas. Um, in another place, he writes to someone and he says, It's not like you think or like you heard that I answer any Shilas that are, even if they're not Nagela Halacha, just because someone wants to talk in learning. He says, I barely have a chance to answer those who ask me Shilas Halacha Lamaisa. He tells the person, I'm going to answer you, but I don't know where you heard this from. That's not true. I, I, I just don't have time to answer every and anything. Um, he was very um, concerned for the covet of Rabbanim. There is a Chuvan Yaradeya where he writes, there's a Shiloh, someone was Masada Kedushin for a woman who got divorced, and she didn't wait the prescribed time in Halacha before getting remarried. She has to wait 90 days. Um, but the, what he writes there is he's not as upset that the person um, transgressed the Beferish Allah and Shulchan Aruch. He's bothered, Eich Sidr Kedushin Me'ish Zulas Harav. How was there someone who was Masada Kedushin from someone else who wasn't the Rav of the city? In Europe, it was a very big thing. Only the Rav is Masada Kedushin. Even now, in Antwerp and in, in England places, Gateshead, <coughs> only the Rav is Masada Kedushin. So that's what he was more upset about the covet of the Rav. Um, another interesting chuvan Yaradea Mem Zayin, he wants to know if there's the mitzvah of Vikidashtoi, of honoring a Kayin, is there a mitzvah after the Kayin's death? What's the Nafkamina? He says the Nafkamina is if you have two Avelim, one's a Kayin and one's a Yisrael. So is there any reason that we should be Mechabed, the Avel who's a Kayin, and give him precedence to Davin for the Amud over the Avel who's a Yisrael? He says for the people Davining, it's no Kavad. Uh, I know, it's not a covet to Davin. It's part of the Kapara, they say. So, it's not a covet for them. But if it's a covet for the, it's a covet for the mace. Now, if there's a mitzvah to honor a dead Kayin, so then you should have his son, Davin, for the Amun. It's a covet. If there's no mitzvah of Ikidashle after Kayin's alive, so then there's actually no difference between the Kayin and the Israel. Just a very interesting, um, interesting uh, 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 tshuva. 
In Chuvus Rebekivager that we mentioned before, where um, where Shleim Eger says, "I jump from my business to my uh, to my learning." So over there, it's an interesting thing. That Shuva, like we said, um, was written to another person, but the Shayel, the person asking the Shayla, wanted Reb Shleim Eger to send it to his father, Reb Kivager. And there's a little footnote there from Reb Kivager that he writes, that when I got Divrei Bini HaChamudais, that uh, the words of my son, who, who, um, who, who uh, was dear to me, um, could be talking about the words there, not my son. It happens to be in many chuvas. There's about six or seven chuvas or eight chuvas in chuvas Rebekiv Eger that is written to Reb Shleima Eger, and there's full of 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 love that Rebekiv Eger writes about him, and he and he held of him in great in, in great esteem as well. And um, so in this chuva, Rebekiv Eger writes that when he received the the words of his son, he was very very sick. So much so the doctors had given up hope on him, and only because Klai Yisrael in the city davened for him that he had a refuah shleima or refuah. It wasn't shleima yet, and he writes, "It was it had only been a few days since I've been able to get up from my bed, and I was able to take a few steps, and then they handed me the psak, this psak of my son, and he says it was a meishiv nafshi. It gave me, it revived me. ruchi It pasha gave me life to be able to enjoy his words." Um, and he writes, I'm sorry, but I'm not even able to write even one gilya in one little page to talk about it. Um, the words of my son, which is so full of das, very expansive, they're deep, they're good, and they're sweet. So he writes that I don't have, my son's words are beautiful, I'm not able to write, but the fact that I was a, I got this letter from him actually invigorated me and helped me out here, I was so weak. And that was the great harakha that Reb Kivager had for his son, Reb Shleim Eger. His last tshuva, it seems, he wrote on Gimel Cheshvan Tafrei Shidbeis. So it's a little bit um, more than two months before his patira. And he writes, at this point, my hands are tied from writing. He says, I can't write more than one, uh, two or three letters a day. And, uh, and he says, even Lemaisa, Halacha Lemaisa, I don't want to answer. He says, because I'm not allowed to learn Bi'ion, I'm not allowed to learn in depth because of my sickness. And that is the last tshuva, I think, that we have printed from him, from Gimel Cheshvan. And like we said, he was Nifter on Yud Aleph Teves, Tafresh Yud Beis, 1852. That's this Shabbos, is 169th yard site. And you see a figure that for 35 years of his life, um, 35 years of his life, he was only 67 when he was Nifter. So he got married when he was 16. So 35 and 16 is 45, is 51. So for 51 years of his life, he was not a Rav. 51 years of his life, he was a businessman who was also a Talmud Chacham. But for the last uh, 16 years of his life, he was a Rav. And that was the fascinating life of Rav Shleim Eger. We should be the Schus of him. And of all the great tzaddikim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should bring us great Yeshuas. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Kaltu.